Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you in your journey with Christ. For additional resources, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. We're in John chapter 15 today as we consider continually this throughout this year, the writings of the Apostle John. Well, we're about to, after we get through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, we'll hit the letters of John and then we'll close the year out in Revelation. If you're new to us, we're glad you're here today. You know, I've always liked escalators. I like escalators over elevators. You probably never thought which you like better, right? That's how weird I am. But I like, there's something, there's something kind of mesmerizing about these steps that keep moving and taking you. I like that. I like the, the, I like the bird's eye view you get when you're go, going up. And when I was a little boy, just like some of you did, it was fun to run up the down escalator. And we'd run up with our friends and then we'd get halfway up and somebody got on, which ruined the whole thing. And uh, they gave us a dirty eyeball, and so we'd leave and act like we were good kids, and then we'd run up again with the coast is clear. You know, life, in many ways, is like this down escalator. And Romans 8 even says that the whole world is groaning for redemption. It is, it is, it's, it's, it's in a downward movement. It's true in all of nature. We feel it. We see it. We see it in our own bodies. You know, try as we like through a diet or exercise or pills, whatever, we're losing the battle, right? We're sagging a little more this week than we were last week. Um, when it comes to personhood, do nothing, and, and culture will take us the opposite direction of the plan that God has for us as persons, as individuals to develop. All we have to do is not think about our lives, not do anything to counteract with the culture, how, how it is moving us, and we'll be on a downward movement as well. And it bears the question then, can a, can a person, no matter what their age, no matter what their life experience, can they become better? Can, can, a, can personhood do better and be better? Can a stingy person become generous? Can a cowardly person become courageous? Can a self-centered person become selfless? I mean, okay, can a person who, who is an angry person really become a person who lives at peace? Well, I trust that you know the answer to that is yes, but certainly not on our own. And we can make some improvement to some degree by ourselves. But our, but our text today is about something more wonderful. We could go to Barnes & Noble, go to the self-help shelf, and get some books, get some tips. But it's nothing like going to God's truth and seeing what his plan is for us. Here's our text, chapter 15 of John. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 
Now we know we're here, whereas we're believers today, because we have a great exchange happened. That Christ Jesus was our substitute on the cross. We acknowledge that. We acknowledge that our lives were a mess. There was a time we recognized we were sinners, and a great exchange happened when we acknowledged him, when we welcomed him, uh, and became a saved person. That, that in that moment, there, that this, this transaction happened. His blood poured out. I accepted that sacrifice, and I was able to be a disciple of Christ. We're saved only by grace. That does not mean there is not work to be done in our lives for our benefit and the glory of God. It's so easy, in our, and I think our culture and the way the gospel is presented, to, to project only a transactional gospel. In other words, I came to you, I got baptized, now I'm in. And you are, but also it takes work to be a disciple of Jesus. And I think we miss that sometimes. I like how Dallas Willard put it. He wrote, grace opposes earning. Grace does not oppose effort. We cannot earn our salvation. It's a free gift. But there is effort involved in following Jesus. When we are, we are, when we are born again, we are called to be a follower of his, a disciple of his. And that takes energy. Does this contradict the elevator illustration? Not at all. Because there is an effort to remaining in Jesus, that's a different kind of effort than trying to do and be everything I need to be as a Christian on my own. Two different things. I think you'll hear that in different ways throughout this message. There are four things I want to challenge you in today. First of all, fruit is proof of our relationship with Jesus. Remember earlier in the week, the final week of Jesus, Jesus was with his disciples, and they, they, there was a fig tree. Jesus was hungry. They saw a fig tree, had leaves on it. Now, a sycamore fig tree is an unusual tree in that when the leaves are there, the, the, leaves, come before the, the leaves come after the fruit, not before the fruit. And, you know, the fruit trees, we know the blossoms and the fruit, the, the leaves come, and then you look for fruit. With the sycamore fig tree, the fruit comes first, and the leaves then announce that the fruit is there. It's backwards. So when Jesus gets to that tree, there's no fruit, even though the tree is announcing there is. And it reminds him of the leaders in Jerusalem who are, act, who are, who are claiming godliness and holiness, but there's no fruit in their lives. So Jesus curses that fig tree. It's all an illustration for the disciples and for us today. Jesus was warning about false prophets as well. In Matthew 7, when he said, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Now, Conversely is true, by, by our fruit, the, 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 the people around us should recognize that we are followers of Jesus. Now, he says in verse 8, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fruit, when he's talking about fruit, he's talking about a Christ-like character. A character that is increasingly becoming like Jesus. That's why we always are talking about being transformed into the image of Jesus, looking like him. Uh, and we have nine fruit that are, that are listed for us by the Apostle Paul in Galatians, 9, Galatians 5. You remember, here they are. Read this verse with me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, I don't know if if the Holy Spirit um, leading Paul to write these words is just summing, summing up the whole life, that's my, that's my guess. Maybe these nine fruit 
basically cover the, most of the gamut of human life and existence? I don't know. But at least we know these are highly significant to God. And there's one way by which we measure if we are increasing in godliness. Peter writes uh, later in his letter that God has given us everything we need for godliness, for godly living, by his Holy Spirit within us, in other words. So this cornucopia of, of fruit is to be poured out of our lives as people around us and experience us. Second, we can't produce fruit. We display the fruit Jesus produces. Now, this is hard for us Westerners. The, for those of us in the West, we are so used to accomplishing we have goals set. We go to work. There are goals. There are objectives. We get worn out by writing all those things and trying to figure out. And then we change things. As soon as a project is done, the rug is pulled out from under us sometimes, and we start all over. And so we're all about productivity and the, and the, and the bottom line. And that, something, that often is, is transferred to our way of thinking in the Christian life. And that kind of thinking, that kind of doing with objectives and goals and all that in the Christian life experience is going to work against us. And it's going to be like being on that down escalator trying to run up all the time. And it will lead often to frustration and, and just being burned out because of all the energy it takes to do that. You can't make fruit happen. I can't make fruit happen. Our, our job is to stay connected to the vine. Now, somebody said this well, and I liked it. It says this, either you're mechanically religious or vitally connected. That's a scary statement to be. We can be, we can be mechanically religious, do the things we do, but not really be attached to the vine, not be connected Knowing the nine expressions of the Holy Spirit, it's so easy for us to get up tomorrow morning. Today, this week, I'm devoting myself to love today. I'm going to love every person. That is not going to happen. Or peace. I'm tired of being impatient. God, I'm never going to be impatient again. I give it all to you, my impatience. Well, how's that work for you? You know, it, it, it doesn't work because that's not how this... How, that's how this is played up in life. It's running up the down escalator. And, and this discouragement sets in. Verse 4, Jesus said, Remain in me, and I also, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's no more ridiculous than me going to Ace Hardware and, and buying a light switch and a socket, and a light bulb, and going home because I want a light in the closet, and I slap the switch on the wall, and stick the socket on the ceiling, and flip the switch, and it's not working. Well, why is it not working? Well, you know, it's not connected to the power source, right? There has to be a power source. When we do things by our own energy to make things happen, to be fruitful, it's not going to work. Someone well said, a branch is just a grape rack, that God has there to hang his fruit on. Our responsibility is to be a recipient of the Holy Spirit more deeply into our lives. And of course, we do that by the basic disciplines of the Christian life, of prayer and study and devotion, reading the scripture, engaging in fellowship, in community, in, in worship, all of those basic disciplines in a heartfelt way. Third, fruitful branches are pruned to produce more fruit. 
Now, this is the largest grapevine I could find. It's called the Great Vine at Hampton uh, Court. It's outside London. It was planted in 1768. Uh, the vine, it has one vine, and that vine is 12 feet in diameter. And every year, it bears 800 pounds of grapes. Now, vine dressers tell us that there, 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 there has to be a pruning process. Uh, Jesus said in verse 5, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. Now, um, th this is a hard text. It's a hard one to preach because there's popular theology that says in books, and it's preached today, that, that, that when we sang it this morning, and we sang it, and it is true that no one can pluck us out of God's hands. That is true. That doesn't mean that I can't wither away into a non-relationship with Jesus. It is up to us to stay connected to the vine. If I don't do the things that keep me connected, I can wither, I can become a dead branch, and I'll be cut off and burned because of it. In other words, I'm saying, yes, I truly believe the New Testament warns that we can lose our salvation. Not, by, not because God has changed, not because he's gone anywhere, not because Satan has done it, but because we have just neglected the key relationship in our life. Now, when that happens, that's not to me to judge. And I don't know what God does with that, how he handles it along the way. And when people step over the line, that, that's not for me. That, I'm just saying this as a warning for all of us how important it is to do our part in the relationship. Peter warns us the same way later in the New Testament. He said, the person who doesn't, isn't careful about this is like a pig going back to wallowing the mud and a dog returning to its vomit. It can happen. So that's why, that's why Jesus is saying this. He knows the disciples are about to flee. And he's thinking of the best things to give them. So here he is walking out of the upper room. They've sung a hymn, another gospel writer says. And they're walking through Jerusalem toward the Mount of Olives where he's going to sweat drops of blood. They walk outside the city walls. They crawl across the Kidron Valley up to the mountain. And no doubt, grapevines are growing. And it, this is why Jesus uses this, this great teaching opportunity to help them know, remain in me and pruning is going to happen. And they're about to be pruned, even though they don't know it. And pruning, they say, is the most important thing you can do for the vine. It's not fertilizing it. You know, it's not digging around it to keep the soil loose. No, it's, it's the pruning process. Now, for, for our untrained eyes, if we don't know about having a grapevine, it seems harsh and cruel. Uh, you walk through the grapevine at, at Hampton, and there are days you'll see, of course, dead branches. There are also branches, they say, that, that are superficially connected. But they're not truly, deeply connected. They're just, it's just on the surface they look connected. That's the, that's the mechanically religious. So they're cut off. But there are also some branches cut that actually have green grapes on them. They have bunches of grapes on them. And for us walking through, that doesn't make sense. Why would you cut off branches that have already appearing Green clusters of grapes because the best way, best way for that vine to keep producing the healthiest way it can is by being pruned. So there's a hundred different bleeding places on this vine. 
But it's all for, the, for the, the best part of this. Now, this is a hard principle for us, isn't it? But it runs through life. When, a refi- when gold ore is given to a, refi- to a refiner, what does he do? He puts it in the furnace to make it valuable, more precious. You give uh, an athlete to a coach, and what's he going to do? He runs her through another drill till she's about to throw up or, or faint because of all she's been through that day in training. You know, you, you give a child to a parent, and, and what does the parent do? Uh, he disciplines the child. You know, you lied. Well, you're grounded. You can't be with your friends. Ah, I hate you. Why are you doing this to me? I mean, that's what, what's, what's the vine dresser do? The vine dresser prunes the vine. And so whether we're talking about gold ore or, or a, a child or an athlete or a vine, they all do better when they have to experience some kind of pruning process, something that hurts, something that's painful to make them better. It's true in our lives. But remember, the vine dresser's hand is never closer and when it's pruning. When you're being, and you may be being pruned right now. You may think about your life, and man, you're here in the middle of pain. Maybe you're trying your best just to be uh, the best spouse you can be or the child you can be or the best parent you can be, employee, maybe at work, maybe in financially. Maybe there's some just emotional, traumatic things from the past. Maybe some sin from the past. That still the evil one wants to use to do you in. Pruning comes in a lot of different ways. And uh, you got to remember just two things. There's two basic things. That is, you got to remember that God is good. He's shown that over and over. And he is for you and not against you. If you can keep those two things in mind, it will help you hold on when you wonder where in the world he is. That's true. So if, if, if we don't understand something going on, if we don't feel like prayers are being answered, just, just, just assume that, that you're the weak one, all right? Just assume you don't get it and, and trust the Lord. You know? And that's one of the things we have to do in response. Those are the three, here are three words to take with you. If you're being pruned or when you're pruned, learn, trust, and obey. Those three things. Decide you're going to learn something in the pruning process. Because, this is why, there are so many stems that appear that we start clinging to. And I've been pruned a lot of times in my life for various things. I have been pruned when I have clung on more to the stem of human approval than God's approval. I have been pruned when I have found myself holding on to the stem of enjoying doing for God more than the joy of being with God. I sometimes have been pruned, oh, when I have found myself more connected to trusting my own judgment and creativity than seeking the creativity of God within me through the Spirit. I have been guilty of clutching on to a stem of self-esteem by culture rather than the esteem that God gives me by 
the worth he announces about me in the scriptures. There are all kinds of stems that grow of success and power and control, and stems of, of happiness and stems, of, I mean, of money. I mean, they're all over the place. And it's so easy to start attaching to another stem. Attaching to a wrong stem today? In the pruning process, we get to think about that. Trust. Trust God's timetable. Trust God's agenda. Trust that he is doing something. Trust that he does care. Trust that his words are true. Trust that his, his, the word of God tells the truth. And the best way to trust God is mistrust yourself. If, if, if there's a disparity between what this says and what you feel, you're the wrong one. Okay? We always are. And we have to trust the authority of Scripture. Uh, when being pursued, you know, is there... We just have to remember that's what God's doing in the, in the pruning process. And third, obey. When you're under the knife, it does hurt. There's pain. And when you feel the steel, cling to the vine. An ounce of sin can kill you in a way that 10 tons of suffering can't touch you, but make you better. That's, that's what happens. Now, I'm not saying through all this that God sends this. I don't know how that works. My theology isn't worked out. And there's difference of opinion. Does God send things? Maybe he does. I don't know. But he doesn't have to because this world has enough pain of its own. And by being a human being, we're going to have pains. All I'm saying is, whatever pain it is, God wants to make us better. You can be assured of that all the time. He cuts the dead ones. And even the healthy ones, he will prune to make better. Remember him, finally. Our primary task, number four, is to remain firmly connected to Jesus. Now, let me say it again. Either you are mechanically religious or vitally connected. One is by imitation. The other is by connection. And it's easy to imitate. And, and you know, does Paul say, be yeah, Paul, the apostle wrote, be imitators of me as I'm imitating Christ. But he also preached the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we all do well to have models around us. Some of you show me so many great qualities and fruit of the Spirit that, that surpass me. And I'm thankful you're in my life to watch how you've, how, how you've traversed life's roads, how you've dealt with it. It helps me. But I know that the power doesn't come from watching you. The power comes from seeking the same Christ you are and the same Spirit you are. That's why we need to be together. That's why we watch you. That's why we tell each other stories. And that's why if you have a story to tell, you always want to tell it. Because God wants to use your story. He wants to use where you failed. He wants to use where you succeeded. And all the glory goes to him. You're not touting yourself. And I run into a lot of people. who say, well, I don't really tell anybody. Why not? I mean, that's what helps the body be stronger is that we share our lives together. We pray for one another. We build one another up. We, we, we need one another so desperately. Down escalator living looks one of two ways. Either, either I'm not walking, I'm not walking with Christ seriously, or I'm merely imitating fruit. One or the other. And those who aren't investing in a relationship with Jesus and follow the culture whatever good quality you have. And you might say, well, I know a lot of people that aren't followers of Jesus, but man, they're so loving. Or, or this person has peace. You know why? Because we're created, every person is created in the image of God. 
And so God puts in every human being a reflection of himself to some degree. It ought to be in the Christian community among disciples that our fruit is of such a level that it far surpasses any kind of good qualities found in any other person who's not a follower of Jesus. You see, that's where the hard part comes. Man, because we know some really fine people. I do in this community. But, but the fruit in my life needs to surpass whatever quality, whatever part of God's image is reflected in them. So Jesus says, remain in me and allow him to work in us for this fruit to come out. Some of you today may be worn out because you're trying to make fruit grow. No. You just enjoy being with Jesus. Be in the scripture. Be in prayer. Practice fasting. You know, be in worship regardless of life conditions. Be in community. Be in fellowship. Keep serving the Lord. However that is, do the fundamentals. And out of that comes this wealth. This is Major Ian Thomas. He uh, was in World War II. He fought in the British Army. And he uh, was quite a, a warrior. He was a, he was a great soldier. And uh, he was honored after the war. He was given the flag of surrender of the Germans as a, as a statement of gratitude. And when he left the service, he determined that he would live the Christian life by the same standards or in the same way he was in the military. And it wasn't working for him. He was about ready to call it quits because he was so tired of working to be a Christian and he wasn't cutting it. And so he wrote a book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And, and he writes this about this conversation he has with God. This is what he writes. The Lord said to me, for seven years, with utmost sincerity, you've been trying to live for me on my behalf, the life that I have been waiting for seven years to live through you. Since that day, you have given mental consent to the truth that I've been in your heart and have accepted it as a theory. But you have lived totally ignoring the fact. You have been busy trying to do for me all that only I can do through you. From that day, he writes, I learned to say, Lord Jesus, I can't. You never said I could, but you can and always said you would. That's all I need to know. He writes, from that moment, life became the adventure that God always intended it to be. I think that would be a great prayer for us to learn to pray. Put it up here again. Say it with me. Jesus, I can't. You never said I could. You can. You always said you would. It's a lot simpler than we make it to be so much. Jesus said, look, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Just remain in me, and I will remain in you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so indebted to you. I have sought your forgiveness so many times, Father. Those of us who are type A personalities want to do it by ourselves, our own energy. And I have miserably failed over and over. 
And so, Father, I come before you as a follower of Jesus. I come on behalf of this congregation of people who gather to worship you today. And we confess to you our deep need for you to be so deeply wound within the deepest part of us that we are unmistakably disciples of Jesus. So, Father, we lay our fleshliness before you today, and I trust we are ready to open our hearts more fully to who you are. I pray for anybody in this assembly, Father, who doesn't know you, that they will have the boldness and courage to say, I need help, so we can walk with them. Thank you for rescuing us, for loving us so deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. It's our desire to help you grow as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church, would like to attend an online service, or plan an in-person visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you'd like to receive our podcast directly to your device, we encourage you to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.